So about a few weeks ago, right before Sukkis, uh, I had the pleasure of recording an episode for my Conversations uh, podcast with Esther Goldstein, who is a uh, highly specialized and sought-after therapist in Long Island in the five towns. Uh, and we recorded an episode about Chapter 11 of my book that was supposed to be released uh, this coming week. Uh, with everything going on, we're going to re-record a new mini-episode trying to address something different than what we initially talked about. Uh, I, I specifically want to try – it's going to be a, a shorter conversation, and there's so many different things for us to to talk about, so many different ways that uh, – w- that, that people in, in our nation, our brothers and sisters, are, are, are needing help and support, and we're all here for each other. One angle that I want to try and address and ask you for any thoughts or insight you might have is specifically the group of people who are living in Israel right now who are not in the north or the south that are directly in the front lines, but are going in and out of bomb shelters, hearing sirens, are trying to manage and trying to live uh, might have little children, uh, might be living by themselves or living with others, uh, especially those living with, with, with children. And there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of difficulty. And I'll just, uh, I feel the need for myself to say before we, we share anything in this, uh, I feel completely uh, uh, inappropriate almost to, to say anything on the topic because I've never been in that experience. Uh, and, and to think that I might have anything to offer uh, feels almost... Uh, uh, almost almost uh, inappropriate, and yet at the same time, it feels like something that we should do, uh, that if there's any way that we can be insightful or helpful or supportive of other people uh, through our training as therapists and trauma-informed therapists, uh, I think that that would be uh, a, a real uh, just act of, act of love. So I, I say I, I offer this conversation not so much from a place of saying or feeling that I know uh, because I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be in that situation, but from a place of just trying to do whatever we can to help. So I'm curious, uh, Esther, if you have uh, a- any thoughts uh, or or strategies or support uh, for people in that situation, how they can help themselves, help each other, and help their families uh, in, in for, again, that specific uh, part of our of our nation. It's interesting that you say that you don't know that you can give tips in terms of like that you haven't lived there. Not sure if I ever shared this before, but I have lived in Israel for five years. Um, When I was pregnant with my son, um, there was a time where there was a lot of terrorism going on. And then when I had my child and he was like a baby, I remember not strapping him into the stroller because it was like in case we ever needed to like go to a bomb shelter. Um, We did have a lot of family friends and family in the South. So there were lots of experiences. Um, And I did work with some survivors of terrorist attacks. So I guess I don't want to say like, oh, I get the experience, but I could say my personal experience of like knowing the feeling, the flavor of fear, of terror, of wanting to bond together. So I just want to say that to anyone there. Um, There's a part of me that very much has lived um, to some degree that, but obviously it's different. I think the biggest piece, just number one, just the fact that you and I are making time basically saying, hey, listen, we want to connect. We want to chime in. If you can just hear from like the love in our hearts and the thoughts were, you know, the thoughts in our mind are basically saying like, we want to love on you and support you so that you're not alone in all of this because community and connection is really a matter of saying like, we're here for you. So I just want to really like tap into that for a moment. Um, because being checked in on and thought about is one of the most powerful things. Um, now the piece of like the, you know, not actively not being in like the, you know, right in the area of target, but still being very impacted, still being very traumatized. 
I think there's a few pieces for us to look at, but you kind of could like, um, you know, chime in. People were just saying at our team meeting on Monday, they were like, oh, how do we help our clients work with our symptoms? And I'm like, guys, we're not using any of our trauma tools. Like we're not using, like we're not doing trauma processing, none of that. Like the shop is closed. It's not like a, hey, like there is a roller coaster and now we're going to try this and now we're going to try that. It's like, it's none of that. We're creating a much more contained um, structure of how do we work with chronic dysregulation and find ways to actually like simplify the ways that we work. So let's just say that like, you know, you're living in a place where you're feeling frightened, you're feeling scared, okay, for your basic survival. What you do at that point is that there's a healthy level of like shutting down parts of your mind and your body and you hyper like focus on the things that you need to just get through. Getting through could mean like, you know, feeding, sleeping to the best of your ability, which we'll talk about if you cannot sleep and being able to be somewhat present and communicating with your children to a perceived sense of safety within a world that's not safe right now. Um, And so I think the first thing that I would just say is like, Number one, any really important like worries, concerns, longer term problems, like, you know, they say like it's not the best time to go shopping when you're hungry. So maybe right now is not the best time for you to try to figure out all the much bigger issues like they're still there. Your marriage might still be needed tended to. Your child might still have the special needs that need support. But in this moment, it's like, what do you need for the next day in the next two days and the next three days? So your mind can feel oriented to what's going on. So I could just speak for like the parents. One of the big pieces is support. So can you have one or two people that you check in on, even if there's no words, physically connect with somebody else, just being next to someone, connecting on the phone and just saying like, hi, I just want to hear the sound of your voice as I'm going through this. It could be someone who's going through the same thing or not going through the same thing, but some kind of human connection is really important. Um, The second thing I'm going to say is that, you know, we all know this, but the only way we can really be there for our children is if we're there for ourselves. And to me, the there for ourselves is not being strong. For me, the there for ourselves is if you can let yourself cry, if you can let your body shake, if you can, I know, remember this in Israel, like there was a time where I had really bad PTSD and I remember being like, I just need to be strong and you just need to be strong, like gather everything, notice everything, right? And I remember like sitting down at one point and my friend was like, how are you? And I was like, you don't want to know. She's like, no, I really do. So I said, okay, but I'm about to unravel. And like, I literally went to unravel. And the beauty of unraveling was that in the next 20 minutes, I actually, as I fell apart, was crying, sobbing. My body was like somatically shaking. I actually slowly started feeling more like a person. And so if you're feeling like you're falling apart and you're terrified and you're scared, like, Something about being with those core emotions, those raw, those frightening feelings could actually be the biggest gift. So if it's after your kids are asleep or if it's with somebody else or, you you know, you let your kid put their headphones on, like allow yourself to be with those emotions and sensations to the best of the ability. And it could be you can't feel any feelings. It could just be like, wow, I noticed there's this like pressure by my eyes because there's these tears, right? Or I noticed that I have so much rage and I just want to yell. Right. So I don't know if you want to share anything about this, but I'm just going first for the basics internally as. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I guess I want to just highlight that point and throw a resource out there for anyone. Um, if anyone has heard of uh, something called Emotion Aid um, by Gina Ross uh, is a great, um, very kind of hands on tutorial, uh, accessible, understandable, both in English and in Hebrew uh, that really guides a person through doing uh, what you just talked about. 
Uh, naturally, we, we, we think about trying to uh, keep those feelings and those sensations uh, at bay because we think that they will destroy us. And we're afraid that if we let them in, then we'll completely unravel. Uh, but actually, the way that the nervous system works physiologically, the way that we work uh, is that when we let those feelings in, when we allow ourselves to experience those sensations, they actually figure themselves out. Uh, and so the fact that we're in trauma doesn't mean we need to become traumatized. There's actually two different things. Becoming traumatized is what happens when we're in trauma and we don't let the trauma process. Uh, but actually, if we take time out of our day, and this is not, I think, as you're saying, not something we do you know, in front of our kids, but you know, we find a time to let ourselves actually experience the trauma, then we don't have to become traumatized. I, I personally think it's a very important point because everyone is jumping to the idea that we're all in, we're all being traumatized. We don't all have to become traumatized. Uh, the human healing vortex is incredibly powerful. Uh, we're all in trauma. We do not have to become traumatized. Uh, and the way that we experience trauma without becoming traumatized is exactly what I think you're saying, which is that when we let those sensations happen, we allow ourselves to lie on the floor and shake. We, allow, we take a pillow, we cover our mouth, and we allow ourselves to scream. We allow ourselves to envision whatever the goriest, most uh, 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 horrific uh, uh, revenge that we would imagine wanting to take. When we allow ourselves to have the full expression of all those feelings, those physiological reactions, the, the reptilian part of our brain, the back part of our brain that just needs to allow all of that physiological process to renegotiate itself through our nervous system. When we are not afraid to let that in, we let it in, then it's also able to be let out. And then we live in trauma, but we don't have to become stuck in trauma. So just putting out there uh, uh, a resource called Emotion Aid, if you Google it, Emotion Aid by Gina Ross, uh, but also just really trying to uh, also uh, re-emphasize the, the point you're making, how important they think that is. And, and also just, uh, again, bringing awareness to this idea that there's a difference between experiencing trauma and becoming traumatized. I love what you just said, because I want to just say something like as someone who works with people who have trauma, as someone who has endured my own trauma, trauma for me was like, I think I mentioned I used to have really bad belly aches and it was because I had grief that I never processed because no one spoke about it. And I suffered for so many years after until I finally processed the sadness that I had never had a space to process. But what I have to say right here is so powerful. And I want to even like add another point. You, We are all going through a trauma. You especially, people who are in a place where it's like you're hearing the sounds, you're seeing your children, you're watching them shake, you're not sleeping, there's a lot going on, you're feeling fearful, you're wondering about your future, you're in the present moment, you're eating, you're fine, you're not fine. Well, I love what you just said is like you can be in active trauma and you don't have to panic about the fact that you are becoming traumatized because you're actually experiencing the sensations. Now, I want to say one last thing. If you're actually experiencing the emotions or the sensations, you're going to look a lot less functional than the people who are not processing it. And I want to just say, like, if you seem less functional, please don't get dissuaded and think, I'm not keeping it together. My neighbor is. She's going to be more fine. Actually, if you want to think about it, I don't want to compare to anyone, but those of us, I think about my friends who've gone through hard times or times in my life where I had places to fall apart. Or had the ability to know, like, I can actually be with rage, with sadness in a way that, like, was doable and contained, but, like, allowed me to express it. There is, like, less or no secondary, like, PTSD symptoms on my body. So if you feel like a mess and you're like, oh, well, what is this going to do for my future? What is this going to do for my future? If you can actually be in the mess of emotions, 
obviously within a realm of keeping it somewhat functional for your family, you're going to be better off. So I think I just want to name that because sometimes people say, I'm falling apart. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. What I would say is like, let's see the beauty in falling apart right now, because essentially you're saving yourself many like, you know, retroactive pains or trauma symptoms that are going to come out later on if you just kind of tuck them away. Like when we tuck, 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 they all come back up, you know? Let me just ask you a question on that. Just kind yeah. of, um, cause I, I can, again, being that I, I have not experienced the inside of this, uh, directly, but I could imagine someone, uh, saying that, you know, what you and I are saying sounds very nice and is very important for the long term. But as you said before, we need to focus right now on just, just this day, you know? And so in just this day, I need to be as functional as I can. And is doing what Yaakov and Esther are talking about, is that going to make me less functional today? Because that's actually the only thing that really matters right now is just today. And I can't let myself unravel. Okay, I love what you're saying. Look, it goes on a deeper thing. So let me just name this for one second, because I actually think it's important. Look, we're, we're oversimplifying this, but really any person listening here, there could be one person listening who has a loving partner or an amazing neighbor or support or knows how to deal with their emotions and has the capacity to tap in, cry for half an hour, pull themselves back together and go on with their day. There could be somebody else who basically never had the space or doesn't really know what it means to have the space or doesn't even have capacity to get in touch with emotions who's just saying, what are you talking about? You're teaching, you're talking to me in French. So what I would say is like, don't take what we're saying with broad strokes. What I'm saying is, can you acknowledge or can you make space for 2% of any kind of emotion or sensation inside of yourself and then um, give it some kind of container? So if it means like two minutes, if it means five minutes, if it means 10 minutes, some people have the luxury of an hour of sitting surrounded by two best friends and bowling their eyes out. If you don't have that and the best you have is like going to the bathroom and texting your friend or looking at something online where somebody is crying or just saying like, take a deep breath, follow my, my pace, do that, but really um, personalize it for you. And I love what you just said, because basically what I'm saying is, could you just acknowledge the, acknowledge the emotions? I was driving to the office today and I was feeling like I'm fine. And all of a sudden my body started shaking and I was like, uh, I had to come to work, I had to do consultation. And I'm just like, you know, really? And I told one of the clinicians, I was like, she was like, how are you? I'm like, I'm a little disconnected. Really, I need to like shake for an hour, cry, and then be here. But this is my schedule. So I'm here and I'm going to allow myself to shake a little bit, pulled myself in, and I'm here. Do you know what I mean? And so I'm not. And I'm not saying like, oh, that means I'm going to be completely traumatized versus completely untraumatized. I think, Jacob, what we're essentially just saying is, can you find a little snippet of being able to get in touch with something? So if there's tears, see if you can allow the fact that there is a sensation, you know, of, of the tears as well. So let me ask you to clarify the way that I think about it, um, because again, my experience of, of doing a, a, of this kind of approach, which I would call a, a more somatic approach, somatic referring to the body, to the physiological uh, experience we have, to the nervous system, to our sensations, I, I experience that and come to that from the work I do with people uh, in my office. And what I find in terms of the therapy usage of that is that we are so much more resilient than we think we are, but in the opposite way than people usually use the word resilience. Meaning, mm -hmm. and I think this is an incredibly important point, but then I have, I want to follow it up with a question for you. People think of resilience as holding it all together and being really strong. That is a form of resilience, and in times that's great and very important. But what I find amazing about the resilience of human beings through trauma is the resilience that actually is, is in the opposite. It's that 
we can actually allow all the pain and the unraveling and the distress and the dysregulation to come in. And then we will find that we are a million times more resistant than we thought we were. Meaning the amount of crying I think I will do ends up being much less than I think it will if I actually just allow it to take as long as it needs. It's very counterintuitive. So if if, if I I don't want to let myself cry because I think if I start crying, I'll never stop. Our resilience is that you think you're never going to stop crying. If you actually tell yourself, you know what, I'm going to cry for as long as I need, it might only be five minutes. And that's where you find resilience, not resilience of I'm holding it all together, resilience on the bottom of the barrel, not by not opening it up, that all the distress and the unraveling you think is going to happen almost never, I don't want to say never, but almost never comes out to the extent and the endlessness that you think it will. So people who have been through horrible traumas have sat on the couch with me and allowed sensations and distress to unravel and they always find within that so much more resilience than they think they will. And and I think that's the the part of the approach that we're talking about. Like you said, it's so important not to oversimplify it, but that's part of the idea. My question for you though is, again, I have not used or seen that working with someone who is in the middle of an active trauma as it's going on, uh, you know, in a bomb shelter or in their house, having just come out of a, you know, out of a, a, a siren or whatever it is, does that approach, is that approach appropriate and fitting? And is that true also for somebody who's in that type of active real life situation as it's ongoing? No, it's not appropriate. It's appropriate like 5%. Basically, I love what you just said. First of all, I have to say as someone who sees myself as being resilient, very strong, there were many times that I was very strong. As I started doing some deeper work, in my mind, I fell apart. What happened was is that I actually found myself and I'm incredibly stronger right now. I see this with clients right now. But here's what I noticed. There's a terror and there's a fear about feeling some feelings because something about feeling those core feelings, there's usually a belief of I'm going to fall apart. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to die. I'm going to hurt someone. I'm going to be neglected. I'm unwanted. Or when it comes to sexual abuse, like negative beliefs about themselves. And usually it's a matter of working with the belief of it's so interesting. Some part of you or your system believes that if you feel certain feelings, you're not going to survive them. And the healing is you can have huge feelings and you're not going to be consumed by them. So I think like that's the piece is essentially resilience is being in the messy and then doing the cleanup versus like holding it all in. Back to the active trauma. When it comes to active trauma, no, it's not appropriate for you to when you're actually in an active place. To say, let's just open up all the doors, right? It's usually when we're in a place of more steadiness. I know for myself and for my clients, there's usually some sense of steadiness or some sense of huge overwhelm that allows them to actually be able um, to process what's going on. And I want to just say two things. So one is when somebody is so overwhelmed that they can't hold it together. And for those, I'm not going to make them process somatically everything. I will say we're going to process 5%. Because I want to make space for the emotion and then contain the race. rest. Make space a little bit and contain. I don't say you're too unstable for us to process. I say, wow, it's really like wobbly inside. We're going to work with a little sliver. And that little sliver gives a sense of validation and relief. When you're in active trauma, what I usually say is like, we're going to work with a sliver of it. What we're saying is we're acknowledging the bigger picture. There isn't the capacity to work on the bigger picture. Your footing isn't steady enough. But we're validating the fact that there's a much bigger picture here. We're working with a piece of it and it exists. But you're like, it's almost acknowledging the kid who's screaming, who's saying like, I'm crying. You say, I'm here. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to hold you for two minutes. Then I have to hold your hand and we have to cross the street. I know you still have a boo-boo in your heart. I'm going to tend on that a little later or tomorrow or next week. But like you're checking in on it. 
versus when somebody is already in safety or somebody has a perceived sense of, or they have more supports, then it's like you can more fully, quote unquote, fall apart or lean into the possibility of falling apart, even though it might just be right for five minutes or for five months, um, and then pull yourself back together. And I think like being able to orient and knowing yourself and you discerning for your own self about what's my capacity, if it's a smaller one, lean into the 5% or the 1%. If it's a bigger capacity, do that. But I think the discernment piece is like, we want to acknowledge the pain instead of um, denying it or shoving it away or dissociating it. And then based on where you're at, seeing how much you can process now versus later. But even the acknowledging a little bit um, could be a sense of relief. Okay. So just kind of bringing together, we have to wrap up here, but just kind of bringing together the different things you said, because I, I feel like it could be a little bit confusing in terms of what we're at, what, what we're actually saying now for those who are in that situation in terms of uh, the, the, and again, there's no oversimplifying it to one broad stroke, but uh, the, that, that it is good for them. It is helpful and, and appropriate for them to allow uh, the, the, those sensations and the distress in and through their system, or it's better to kind of acknowledge it and kind of contain it? Acknowledge it to contain. Acknowledge it to contain. If I'm going into a meeting and I'm feeling very overwhelmed and somebody says, how are you? And I could say, I'm feeling so scared. Um, verse, and then I can say, I could acknowledge that, but I'm like, and now I have to go and mm-hmm. what's going on versus like, I'm doing amazing that just makes like it makes a little bit of pores to acknowledge the fact that there's some kind of emotion or sensation going on there, and then I could contain to be able to function. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when they're going into the meeting. Are you saying that that's true also for if they? Because before you were talking about if a person can you know allow themselves to, to 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 sob or to you know to shake on the floor, etc. Somebody has the capacity, and their children are not going home for five hours, and they have a best friend sitting next to them. Allow yourself to be with more of it. But I think that you're saying like if they don't have that luxury, then mm-hmm. I make space for it in those snippets of time. But the goal is for you to be able to function. So if that's if what if you tending to that is gonna make you fall apart and not be able to function, I don't want you doing that. I know that's why you're saying it's confusing, because I want it to be at the end of the day, we're looking at functionality. We want to create a level of acknowledging, like acknowledging to a degree where it's like I don't want to deny it fully but I also don't want to completely fall apart. So I think the piece where it gets a little confusing is if you have enough supports, you can actually really lean into collapsing. If you don't have enough supports, you can acknowledge it, feel the sensations, and then tend to it at a later point in time. Okay. Thank you so much. May we uh, hear and share good news very soon. Amen. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please follow us on WhatsApp, YouTube, or Instagram. All our podcast series can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. I'd love to hear from you, so please reach out with questions, comments, or suggestions, or to be added to our WhatsApp groups. You can reach us through email using yakov, Y-A-K-O-V, dot attached at gmail.com, or on WhatsApp at 773-888-2413.